everybody, this is Kelly Dixon, and my voice sounds really, really crazy today. You should have heard it last week, but I'm actually getting it back. I had a little bit of an allergy problem with pollen here in Los Angeles. It's a nice radio voice. I like it. It's, it's kind of raspy, yeah. you know. Got some, got so last week quality. I would have been in trouble. So just apologies. Anyway, um, uh, we're here today for the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, episode number 307. And I'm here with my co-host, Chris McCaleb. Hello. I almost said Chris McGill. How That's, weird is I'll that? Take, well, I'll take it. Chris the McGill brothers are they're on everybody's minds these it's days. It's always good to see you, Chris. How's it going over at Narcos? It's pretty good. Good, yeah. good, That's good. a great show. Oh, well, thanks. I, lo- I, I love <laughs> Just it. Just wait. I can't wait for season three. I love the well, first two seasons. Well, you'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> still shooting. Can you, can you hook me up? We're letting you watch this early, motherfucker. Come Fair in. enough. Come, on. come with me after the podcast. I will come with you. In case you haven't guessed, I have uh, my um, one of my favorite people and a member of the the talented motherfuckers club, a writer director of this episode, Tom Schnauz. You are too sweet, you talented motherfucker. <laughs> Glad to be here. Also here with the creators of the show, Peter Gould and Vince Killigan. Hey, hey. We're also here with a special guest, um, uh, our actor who plays Nacho, Michael Mando. Hi, everyone. Hey. Hi, Michael. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. And also a special guest who hasn't been here before, but we don't get to have her very often, usually about once a season. She is our, I guess you are head of our casting, right? You are the you are the top name on the casting. You can't get thing, any right? tired. I'm the right? oldest. <laughs> Sharon Bialy. Did I say that right? The wisest. Sharon Bialy. Yeah. Um, welcome, Sharon. It's always Thank really you. great to have you here. Woo. You always hey, have some really great stories. Yeah. So nice to have you. And right before we started our recording, uh, Sharon and I were talking. I'm going to give you a plug here because you are our uh, casting for The Handmaid's Tale. Yes, myself and the same team and Sherry Thomas and Russell Scott, the three of us. I didn't know that. I missed that. I was looking at the board here. Wow, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Yes, it's rocking it. I heard it's uh, an incredible show. It's yeah, fucking creepy as well. Yeah. Yep. It's good. It's real good, but it is scary. And so well cast. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, they, you know, really, really, really interesting show. I definitely think you guys should check it out. It's on Hulu. The last time I was here, we talked about a whole other episode. Now we're talking about a whole other series. So. <laughs> <laughs> A yeah. whole nother network, isn't yeah, that? We we We're not getting to your episode, Tom. Just, <laughs> yeah, just, just it. hang it I up right not. now. Exactly. Hang it up right now. So, Tom, how much how much of The Handmaid's Tale have you watched? <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen any yet, unfortunately. Because you were busy with this this great episode, among others. Because no. This, 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 no, this aired. This we, we were finished well before The Handmaid's Tale aired. That's really? a good segue into the into talking about the episode. I was though. just trying to make a segue. <laughs> Excellent transition. Yeah, you did, it's man. All right, no, let's go back to The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Wait, it's actually shot in Vancouver for Boston. Uh, interestingly <laughs> enough, Toronto. We're talking tale. Oh, that's right. Toronto for Boston. Here, we'll, we'll fix that. Isn't that right, Behrman Trout? Wow. Okay, I didn't realize we were on a last name only basis, Peter, but I like it. So, yeah, that's correct. Gould. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Before we do start on, on Tom's episode, sorry, Tom, this is what's going to happen. I just wanted to talk to you because I know this probably doesn't have as much to do with you because you're not casting anybody new, but what has it been like to have a lot of our... Um, Easter egg, Breaking Bad, returning people come back. Well, do, do you make a, those calls? We make the call okay. initially, and they're very highly secretive. So we actually, when we call the agent, we ask the assistant to get off the phone. Because sometimes you wow. do that if you're saying something personal. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we say it's a personal call. Do you mind getting your assistant off the phone? Because in our business, the agent's assistants always listen in to learn. And they go, okay, and okay, they're off. And then we tell them, and they're like, whoa. And, you know, we explain the secrecy of it, and we're just checking their availability and if they will hold that period of time for Better Call Saul. And we we can't tell you what's going to happen or anything. And the response has been... Not only great, but the agent. What about <laughs> you know? <laughs> and are they gonna come? And so that's, that's cool. How it happens. That's cool. Are there any other cool casting stories that you can tell us about this season? Don't go ahead. You can just go. Be- you can go behind this episode, but behind. not ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, in this episode, I can say um, we did an extensive search in the role that the Sklar brothers twins got. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. Let's and, talk about that. And it was really. Fun. These are the two guys that um, run that the, the music, music store. store. Okay. I mean, we saw so many 
great actors. It a was really fun. And you guys really kept And uh, we just kept going and going. And uh, I can't remember who I give credit to of the writers, but one of the writers suggested the Sklar brothers. It was it was actually Melissa Bernstein, our producer. Great. She was she was in here. Really? And you, you brought us so many wonderful people, but we had it. Uh, and then we tried I, some I twins, it, I think. I had it so yeah. in my head that these guys were the Smothers Brothers. Right. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and I to it's like the Smothers Brothers, the Smothers Brothers. And, and I, uh, and I, th- I think everyone was kind of looking at me like I was crazy at that point. <laughs> and then Melissa said, you know, what about these Sklar Brothers? And we watched them on YouTube, and you guys were able to get them for us. Yeah. And, and they were they wonderful. They came in, and they auditioned, and it was really fun because they had a whole thing worked up. And we said, okay, now stop. <laughs> Throw it away. Right. Don't do anything. Right. And they're like, nothing? And I'm like, no, just keep it. You know, the key to getting a part is being as real as you can be. Yeah. And they, nice. you know, they did like five takes, yeah. I think. I, you know, yeah. and uh, they got that. Well, there. that's great because they brought that to the set. You know, since we're, since we're speaking about casting, I wanted to say that walking into this room with you guys for the first time and being and auditioning and screen test, you know, the second audition I did with you guys in the room and the first time I ever met you, Sharon. I think is one of the warmest um, experiences that I've had in casting. So much of the performance that, that an actor does in the room is also um, comes from the people behind the desk. You know, a lot of times we forget that w- simply watching a, an actor perform and communicating with that actor and making that actor comfortable permits him to do his best work. And you guys have that uh, down so well. Thank that you. is true. You and, and, Sherry, and Sherry and Russell, Russell. love... Yeah. Actors. And when I say actors, I mean actors, and actors, male and female. You yeah. love, you love them, and uh, and you have such wonderful taste. Well, I think yeah. we take a lot of time, and that's what people don't realize who look at it. And even within our business, you know, people, oh, it's just two minutes. Just bring them in, and we're like, no, we we take a long time because people are nervous and. You mm-hmm. want them to do their best yeah. work, and you and want to talk about it. their world could change. I mean, yeah. their world could Absolutely. literally change yes. on that. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have a question. Well, it's almost best not to think that way. You that know, that's, is true. That's part, that's, part of what, that's part of what you guys do so beautifully uh, is to get, make people feel comfortable. Yeah, it's yeah. A, uh, it's, yeah. I, I, I've had experiences in the past with actors coming in who, I, especially there's one actor who came in on a project a long time ago, and he was wonderful. He was great, and then when we got on the set, it was like a completely different person. And later on, we had a couple of drinks, and I he told me what happened was, we were also casting for another role. It was a, an older guy, and he saw he came in and he saw all these older guys, and he said, "Ah, my fucking agent sent me in for the wrong thing again." <laughs> so he thought he wouldn't get it, and so he just he did what you what you just said. He threw it away, and he was great when he threw it away. Uh, and so uh, that's it, the stakes were lowered for her magically in that moment. I have a question because casting is, I mean, I've never sat in on a casting session. It's one Come of on, the, Kelly. I know. <laughs> I kind of am going, wow, I, I have actually asked for a lot of, you know, to be in on a lot of different meetings because I think it's always great to, to know how all the different departments work. But I've always felt like casting was very, very intrusive for someone else. But my, my question, I guess, is is that I know it's changed a lot. I mean, it's nowadays because of your phone and there's video. It's like how, how often does an actor actually get in the room with people? Like how many rounds do you, before you can – it didn't used to be like that, right? Yes, it's really changed. I mean, this show is an example of what's happening is we never get Peter or Vince or Tom in the room and it, because they're busy writing. So we're the <clears throat> people in the room, the only people that the actors see, which there's pluses and minuses. We miss the immediate direction that we can often get from you guys. But on the other hand, the actors aren't as nervous and we can do multiple takes. So if they were in the room, we might not have time to do four or five takes. So, you know, we can get a little bit closer to what happens on the set and take our time. So I hate to be... So there's oh, a sorry, lot, but, And then there are actors, because we cast all over the country, mm-hmm. you know, because Russell, Sherry, and I all go to New York a lot and see theater, so we kind of tap into that 
group. So we are often calling the actors and having them self-tape in their apartments, whether it be Chicago, New York, yeah. Toronto. So at that point, they really are on their own, although we'll often Skype with them. Was Frank Deal? Was, is, Frank Deal. He's, he's not from, he's correct. not Frank LA. Frank Deal, who's in this episode. Who's who Frank Deal? Um, he plays uh, the Parks, the Parks Department, Department Supervisor. Oh, that was okay. great. Yeah. He's a New York actor oh. that I... <clears throat> Either Russell and I had seen in a play off mm. Broadway, and I don't know if you remember, but he auditioned for 306. I can't remember which role, and didn't get it. And you, we said, well, what about Frank Deal? And you said, oh, that's a good idea. Oh yeah. So he, yeah. you know, and in this show, people yeah. come back. Yeah. You know that that is, if, if there are yeah. any actors listening, that's my one piece of advice would be don't. If you come in and you audition, you don't get it. Uh, don't feel don't feel it was a waste because especially there when we see somebody who we like, yeah. boy, we 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 do remember you. And, and sometimes we, I, Mark Brooks is a great example. Right. He auditioned for Mr. Kettleman. I loved him, and I kind of wrote the Price character, having seen that audition. So he actually informed who Price was going into that episode 109, and we brought him back many times. And yeah. that, that's he's happened back again. <clears throat> yeah. That's happened to me, and one of the biggest things mm. I've done on, on the video game, I came to audition for something, and just like you, they they didn't give me that part, but they wrote another part for it. That's cool. So it used to be that, you know, what, you have an agent, and then, you know, the agent gets all the headshots and doing it's a lot of airbrush and all that's gone, and then you would, like, hope, hope, hope to get, you know, an audition, and there would be, like, all these people in the room for it, but that doesn't happen anymore, huh? So Not in the same way. I mean, we, there's a breakdown service where the actors, <clears throat> agents, and managers, and the actors themselves sometimes will send pictures, and because Better Call Saul is such a popular show, what these guys probably don't even know is for one part of a parks department supervisor, we'll get 1,200 submissions. No. Wow. No. Holy yes. crap. Yeah. Wow. I kid you not. No idea. Um, and, then, and we go through all of How do you do that? Wow. Then what do you do? We sometimes split it up because we have multiple roles. Some of you, you people know, have, have to four stop roles. acting. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes We've I always get the actor. older actors because I, you know, I have more, you know, I'm older than Sherry and I, that, you know, I can do that easily. So I'll go through those and Russell will go through the younger people. And so we'll split them up. And then once we, well, we have a system where we write one, which is, well, you know, straight to producer or self tape two come in for us three, we're not sure. And then when we do our numbers, we'll sit together and what's after three. Well, like four is get tape because they're offer only. You know, gotcha. five is self tapes. They're out of town. Oh, I like thought that. it was going to be like, no, we have our absolutely li- no. not. Burn no, no, this headshot. No. No. And, and we sit down together with all Revoke the ones we're unsure card. about. <laughs> yeah, and then we go through it together and we gotcha. kind of talk about it. So wow. it's, a, it's a longer process. So let me wow. ask you this. How does somebody get discovered then? Like, you've never done anything. You have to sit on the stool at Schwab's drugstore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actors ask that all the time. It's the one question, how do I get in the casting room? And my answer is, go do some work somewhere else. We all go to the theater. Uh, You know, and I'm really proud of my staff. And that's not just Sherry and Russell and I. Those are the other four people who work in their office. We're all going out to the theater and seeing things. So it doesn't mean you don't have to be the star of a television show. I mean, Jeremy Shamos who plays uh, Mr. Kettleman yeah, is a perfect wonderful. example. He's I saw him actor. in a play Stage years actor, ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I remember calling David Mamet and go, who the fuck was that? He wow. was awesome. <laughs> I don't know him. He goes, how do you not know who Jeremy Shamos is? Do you have to Wait. say fuck when you call yes. David yeah, Mamet? Yeah. Yes. I, 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 otherwise he doesn't understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I just got hung up and I called David Mamet. I know, yeah. right? I, mean, I, I have to say who And then I went to see another play a year later that Jeremy was in and I think it was another six months till Mr. Kettleman came up and we called his agent and said is he not doing a play and does every casting agent do this a casting uh, person uh, not agent uh, um, uh, does not, every cast uh, I think you guys I, I'm going to probably not you guys in LA extra, I think guys, in yeah. New York there's okay. more of a history of them going to the going theater because it's easy Right, it's you know, easier it's than easier. in Los Angeles. Yeah. But here, I think it takes a lot. I, I would so say too. Do you get good tickets though? No, we have to pay. <laughs> you have to pay. Yes. <laughs> but I, I, I never would have guessed that. Isn't I would. Awful? I figure yeah. they'd be handing you tickets. No. All I would think so too. Yeah. Wow. When you guys go to a hundred seat Equity Theater, you know, one of the little little theaters in LA, and there are a lot of them, and there are a lot of little shows. 
and some of them are terrible, uh, and a few of them are great. But do, do people recognize you? I mean, did the? I, mean, um, you, I would imagine the ticket. Are you a big star? Are you a big star? It used to be you were totally incognito, but now because of the internet yeah. and like you know, it's like oh my god, Jeremy. No, but not here. usually. And I usually never would say when I you go, so I can leave at halftime. You wear a big mustache. <laughs> yeah. I want to say to the to to that thing about actors being discovered. I think. I get asked that question sometimes by people who just graduated out of theater school. And I, and I always say, you know, do a lot of theater, but also there's something else that people can do that they probably wouldn't be able to do, maybe weren't able to do 10 years ago, is to get together and shoot something. Mm -hmm. And put, you know, shoot a lot of stuff, cut together a demo reel that's about two minutes long and, and send it to casting directors and say, have their agents say, could you, could you look at this guy or look at or this girl? Or even content you know you have actors doing these little web series or mm -hmm. just yeah. getting together mm -hmm. and uh um you know making something that's three minutes and they're fun to watch yeah. you know let me ask you about <laughs> headshots i was about to make a goofy joke about headshots but instead i'll try to be helpful for the folks listening I mean, how important are headshots I think they're important, and I think they're important that they're not airbrushed and they look like you. It's most important that they look like the, the yeah, person. Yeah, in women especially, theirs tend to be a little then. different. <laughs> 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 you know, but there are men who don't change their picture for 20 years, yeah. and if you don't know the actor and you're trying something new and they walk in and they're 20 years younger, that's yeah. a little misleading. Do you like when they have the big headshot plus like the little, they're doing different no, faces? No, I don't care. Oh, comp, comp no. Comedy no. Face. Well, I wearing like glasses I, and looking thoughtful. No, I like it when they're Lab, lab coat in one, and then another <laughs> right. one there yeah. with a ten tennis racket. I think that would be very helpful. Yes. Yeah. Another I, one with I a think chainsaw. You don't, really, I don't yeah. think you need to think waste money and put one. four shots up there. Is it, do you think that an actor needs to have like two or three different headshots that, that sort of tell the range? Or do you think they should just have one that says who they are? I can, can't speak for the other 100 casting yes, directors right. that are out there, but perhaps if you were trying to play a tattooed badass drug dealer you might want to have a different headshot that than you know your yeah so have a few your have a handsome few, one yeah for and, and pick, them, pick the one to send on that day right. so to speak. the computer's got to be great though now yeah, because that, yeah because you don't have to buy like these stacks of headshots anymore and you they really were just don't. giveaway right they right. were just you don't like, have to you can do you know you can bring in a photo you know just a copy from yeah. the copy machine Tom, Tom really wants to talk about this episode. No, <laughs> no. I'll get to you. you don't. You talk about Tom's photos. All right, before we do, though, what's David Mamet like? Before we get yeah, to that, what's oh, David Mamet like? He's, he's awesome. Really, I really him, funny. He's, he's a great writer. Really funny. And contrary to what most people think, he loves women. You cool. know, people will say, oh, you know, he's such a misogynist. I've never met anybody who loved his wife more or Did his daughters. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. know that was a thing. Yeah, people okay. have said that to me. You know, oh. how can you work with him he hates women i'm like he loves women and he's respectful and he's really funny and i heard he's yeah. he's great at jujitsu he's yeah Seriously? I heard, yeah very yeah. very i heard he was very advanced at that uh, yeah. he's been studying you know who else is like brazilian jujitsu like the like the uh yeah. like the, yeah. the, the, the horse crazy stuff yeah yeah you know who else is big into that is uh clark greg Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Really good. I was gonna say um, Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they all uh, train together. Bundy. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. Ed O'Neill, Clark, Greg, Mammoth. Thomas Schnauss is a con contortionist. Yeah. That's true. Schnauss it's more of a there. squatting <laughs> actual jujitsu. <laughs> I have a question once. for Tom. Yes. When <laughs> you watch the casting tapes of the episode that you've written and you're about to direct, I wear my pants. Do you have something in your head that you? Do you, oh, are you shit. trying to see it, that person match what you imagined, or it, uh, do you, are you an open I think slate? It, I think it changes. Sometimes you have something very specific in mind, like with a very small role. In this one, we had the, the, the guy in the teaser who says, uh, you going to get on the bus or what? Uh, I, forget the, I forget the line now. But he, I had a very specific, I want a, a face and a voice that I won't forget. But a lot of times, I, don't, I, I'm, I, stay, I personally stay open to see what you guys send in, because I like to be surprised. I mean, the Scalar brothers were a perfect example. I didn't, I knew who they were, and I didn't think to connect them with this with this episode. I so love them. Is there ever a point where the actors that you guys choose that you're choosing? Because I, from what I can tell, you guys, and I'm talking to Vince and Peter, and on Breaking Bad as well, you guys don't really see many people actors that are coming in on a weekly basis in person. Like, there's a lot of times, Vince, or you said I never met that person. More, I hate to say, more often than not. 
I, more often than not. I don't think we, ex, ex, except for the pilot, I don't think right. we've we've been in the same room with an actor who we cast. Until so we cast the does person. the director see them in person before in, they're cast? In Albuquerque. Local. In the local casting in Albuquerque, yes. We will sit in the room with them, and they will come in, and they will do a line reading, uh, or depending how long the scene is. They'll either do a scene, or if it's one line, they'll come in and do a couple of lines, and you'll sit there and, and talk them through it. And uh, so that's the only time... Uh, the directors get to meet in person with the actors before the episode. And this is a good time for a shout-out to the lovely Kira, Kira Arai, who does that local casting. Uh, in, uh, in So there's three casting people. There's you. Uh, there's the L.A. casting, which is, uh, which is, which is you, Sharon Bialy, and then Sherry Thomas and, and, and Russell. Uh, and and then uh, Kira Arai in New Mexico, mm-hmm. who's been with all of us since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And sh- she finds amazing she does. faces. All the, all the old people. Is that where a lot of the people who are all uh, doing community service? Yeah, those, all all those, those are locals? All those people were locals. We, we found all those. And, ex- and actually in extras casting, we found a lot of those people. We just looked at photos and we had them come in and they lined up against the stage wall while we were, we were shooting something else. They came in and lined up for me. I took a picture and I was like, you, you know, we just sort of mixed and matched and we we just uh, just got a good assortment there and uh, uh it worked great it's such, so way, it's, such like, a, it, it's such a wonderful rogues gallery in that that for uh, that first shot of the, this episode is one of my favorites we've ever done it's <laughs> a great where shot. you just it flat is. on the wall and these people start their lining faces. up and walking in and you just get to watch like sharon says their faces you get to see how they hold themselves you get to see them drinking coffee and it's just a it's it's really funny and almost nothing happens, and and I just I just love that, and that's a shot I remember. You basically pitching that in the, in the room, more yeah, or less. It's always good to start off with a with a good opening shot for your episode, and it's yeah. something that we've learned I've learned working with Vince is you know think visually a lot of times, come up with a great opening shot for a lot of a lot of my episodes. You know, back in Breaking Bad, the Say My Name episode was like, what's the opening shot? And we came up with we're behind Walt's head, or the opening shot of three hundred four. It's like let's start of Start with uh, underneath the water in the water, diving in the pool. So that's you just job. have a good strong visual opening, and, it, uh, and we learned that from Chris Carter. That's and right. Files. Yeah, and I'm sorry to be a completist. There's three casting folks. There's you guys. There's Kira, and then there's our the extras. extras casting. Yeah. Don't want to leave them out. No, they're uh, great. Uh, Catherine and uh, and Doc. In, yeah. In, in, so in Catherine and Doc were the ones who helped organize that rogues gallery that you see at the very beginnings, except for Bob and uh, Derek Bl- Blakeney who uh, Kira went through hell to find because nobody was quite right for that deep voice. It was always somebody who looked interesting but didn't have the voice or somebody with a crazy voice but didn't quite look as interesting. And then she found Derek, who had never acted before and was a PA on, I think, The Night Shift or something. Wow. Uh, working was with, awesome. Working with Catherine and Doc is, is especially interesting. One of the things, if, if you were to walk on to the second floor, there's – our, our offices in Albuquerque are two floors, and they're attached to the, the stages. And if you walked on the second floor and we're doing extras casting, you'd see this, uh, all these uh, tables set up. And on all the tables, they spread out pictures, rows and rows of pictures, men and women, young and old, depending on. And there are, they're, just the, they're just the general picks for possibly uh, being extras in this particular episode. And the director, and usually, usually the writer with the director, uh, and the assistant uh, assistant director will just go through and kind of cherry pick the yeah. interesting faces and try to mix and match and just try to create a world for each scene. And mm-hmm. it's it's not something that I, I I don't know people out there I don't know I don't know it's how you're art, picturing yeah. this, but this is it is it is it's a it's a big part of painting the picture of yeah. a scene. She found our our Alfred Hitchcock looking guy too. That was her that was her work mm-hmm. finding that guy. Mm-hmm. We knew we needed somebody who kind of looked like Alfred Hitchcock in a rented toupee, and she <laughs> she found this guy who'd never acted before, and he was thrilled to be part of it. And he did was, you have to rent a toupee nice for him? <laughs> that I do not know. I think they. And every now and then, an extra gets bumped up to an actor, uh, 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 Sir Sir Francis? Uh, Sir Francis. Yeah, Sir Francis ah. got bumped up in the pilot. Uh, yeah. And Spoiler became... alert: You'll see more of Sir Francis this season. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So one more question I have about the casting thing, though, is it because I'm sort of baffled by this whole thing where you just basically you your audition is all video, like everything is on video. If there's a chance that they're not ever, like, say, you know, you're a New York actor, you're going to audition, you actually they actually break through and they get to you, but they might never get in front of an actual person. Is that true? Correct. Wow. Correct. So actors Welcome have to, to bring the future. it. Yes. Yeah. They have the to really future. bring it. 
Which is exciting for actors because you can get a job living in a small town in upstate New York if you just have a cell phone and a nice light. Yeah, it's it's better it's better <laughs> for actors now because they don't have to be so mo they don't have to move around so much. When I was when I started off in like 2009, when I started auditioning 2009 2010, I used to take the bus overnight because I'd have an audition in the morning in Toronto. And I'd take the 12-hour bus overnight from Montreal to Toronto to audition. Wow. And, you'd, and you'd have to like go to the YMCA and sort of shower and yeah. sort of get, wow. get dressed in your character and put on a fake tattoo or something and then walk around like in your character, take the bus, audition, go back to YMCA, shower, and then take the bus 12 back. 12-hour bus back. And, and there's so many actors who've done that. That's and now it's pain. like click and it just... This yeah. is a great. This is a great movie right here. This is yeah, a great yeah, short. That, Somebody needs to make that short. It's. It's. I think every actor who's who's really been serious about it had to go through, in one way or another, to to, to those yeah. sort of sacrifices. And I'm sure it's the same with writing and directing. You, nope, you have to start. Not really. Somewhere. No. 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 <laughs> There's no showers. There's no uh, showers. <laughs> something we call Air a horse bath. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? There's something we call a horse bath that we have to do. <laughs> Giving you undercarriage, <laughs> how's your father? Can I give a serious uh, bit of advice to the folks yes. uh, that would be, uh, that not would be, to the, to the aspiring, that's a better way to put it, actors and actors. Uh, actors. It's, so it's actors now, right? We yes, just say you can actors? say actors. I say actors for both okay. female, and, female and male. Yeah. Because um, it was like Ray Seahorn said, yeah, you don't call, you don't call the male version a seamster. <laughs> if you're using that iPhone, which is ubiquitous now, to shoot your, uh, your video, Put it put it horizontal. Don't put it vertical. That's what that's one thing. And I would make say. sure your sound, whatever you make using, sure, make sure the yeah. sound yeah. is good because the sound yeah. is one yeah. of the most important, important things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the beauty. You know, I always think it's still better for an actor to come in. Oh to yeah, the yeah, casting yeah. office. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. But sometimes yeah, yeah. you just can't. But it, when they right. can't, even for your short yeah. films, sound right. always it, think sound first. Oh, yeah. And there are in, in New York and L.A. There are these little self tape rooms uh mm. where, where people people actually uh, can there go it's a little a little a little yeah. a little, uh, a little facility <laughs> where they have good good lighting and good sound i've and, made some videos there what's that <laughs> he's made some videos, made some there. videos in there i know in you have dark well julian i know julian emery was talking about this uh i think i think when she was when she was on the podcast way back when i think she's actually a partner in one of those oh, so, yeah, so, yeah, that's right so yeah it's it's, yeah. it's you know the people put a lot of effort Having said that, uh, some sometimes you know we've definitely cast people off of iPhone auditions. Oh, absolutely! But don't don't uh, when if you're doing this at home, don't don't try to make it all moody. Don't look for some badass camera angle. <laughs> don't look for moody. <laughs> Moody, dramatic lighting. Just make it so that we can see you and we can hear you. That's, yep. that's, that's, and, and I don't like that vertical thing. Start with a great opening shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Peter sort of did a segue um, before for your opening shot, and you a guys talked a little bit segue. about it. But I thought it was really, because that is when I watched the episode, I was very, very excited about that opening shot myself, and I did want to compliment. But you always pick really, really wonderful shots you do you're who does that for you it, you're very sweet <laughs> i have a guy <laughs> he's a guy shot maker, shot maker yeah. yeah it's an app it's an app <laughs> shot maker 6000 yeah where do i put the camera shot maker <laughs> oh like magic eight over ball here animation. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i have another does question work for you i have yes. another question so how did you guys decide that jimmy was gonna wear boxers and not briefs <laughs> I don't know how that was decided. Actually, uh, that goes back to season one, I believe. Yeah, he. Well, he, we saw his underwear in season one. I think he's just a boxer's type of guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, you wanted to see. You wanted to see. No, briefs? I was just. You know, Breaking Bad was like such well, a brief thing. So that's like, that's well, actually yeah. probably a good reason right that's there that he's he's also a yeah, unless you're like you know Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. You know, briefs are not. <laughs> Briefs are or not Brian cool. Cranston, really? Yeah, briefs are not. Well, we picked the briefs uh, uh, in uh, for Walter White because they look so lame. Yeah, it was to yeah. accentuate Brian's butt. That's right. Okay. <laughs> at his request, uh, it was a nice butt. It still is. Yeah, it is. So, um, so <laughs> oh, oh, this is. People are learning. I, I keep getting these tweets. If this doesn't win one of those yeah. Webby Awards, I don't know what will. Come on. This, is, this has got Webby written is all over it. Is there a podcast award? 
Yeah. Yeah. There, we're nominated. There are several. The there are several it was Seriously? a potty. There are like three different competing podcast awards, but one of them, the Webbies, uh, has been around for a long time, and they one of their like million categories uh, we were nominated. We were for. nominated. Right right on. On. Congratulations! Cool. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. We, we lost to Ryan Johnson's girlfriend. What? Did we? In yeah, that? In that one? Ryan Johnson. We lost her. I heard that's a that is an excellent podcast. Yeah, it's really good. What is it? What was it called? I want to plug it. Um, you must, you remember, must this. remember this podcast. Yeah. Oh. That's really good. Karina Long Longworth. Karina Longworth. Longworth. It's a, it's a wonderful podcast. I really I really enjoy that one. You get, you she needs to do one. It. She needs to do a whole episode on Eddie Dimitrik. I want to hear that one. I want to learn about him. We're calling you out, Longworth. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, Where do we get a Cable Ace Award? <laughs> All right. In the 1990s, <laughs> early 90s. If I had a time machine, oh, I would go back a, and get a cable ace There's award. a pawn shop. I wouldn't I kill him around the corner. Go back for that cable ace award. So let's move um, on to the commercial that Jimmy like rushes away from his uh, his community service to go do. The what is it's the not recliner. a lazy boy, but yeah, it's kind of like a barca lounger kind mm-hmm. of thing. That guy was great. He yeah, was, he was. He was really funny. Yeah, he was fantastic. I we, love that hat. That Jimmy wears oh, that's when he's directing. Yeah, that's camera guy's hat. Well, the and just the fact, the, not not only that it's a Panavision hat, but just he, it's like he's wearing the hat like he's wearing a mask, like a he's sort of trying to dis, not disguise himself, but change his appearance so that he's not Jimmy from TV, like he he's you know spoke about in the was that in the last episode. He's, he's Saul Goodman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, Saul he's Goodman, Goodman yeah. director. Yeah, Saul Goodman yeah. And, and we had so much fun with that uh, with that costume, and especially that that safari jacket, yeah. which adding has, pockets to it. And which oh, safari jacket? The safari jacket has Jennifer every pocket, every pocket. <laughs> Jennifer added every pocket known to man to that safari jacket. That's awesome. And it's actually, if you look at a picture of uh, Marty Debreggi from uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Spinal Tap, Spinal, from Spinal Tap, Tap yeah. uh, Rob Reiner. Uh, that was one of the references, and the other reference was a picture. Of uh, Spielberg. Spielberg and ET back in the <laughs> oh, 80s, yeah. and they, they had that they had that prototypical director look that we thought uh, Saul Goodman or Jimmy McGill would have. Ray McAnally, he, he played the uh, the store owner. He was all, he was fantastic, and he he had a great delivery of, of doing those commercials, just a deer in the headlights, delivering it, it exactly great. the same way every time. <laughs> Can we back up one little bit? And yeah. With that great shot, I'm sorry, in the in the teaser, that amazing shot looking straight down on the interstate. Yeah, it blew yeah. my mind when you told me how you that. Got was that was a drone shot. Yeah, Damn. we just we just sent a drone up there and just instead of doing some kind of flying shot, we just had it steady, just made it look like a crane as much as possible. See, just I to get it over the uh, the twenty five. That's the you know we were shooting under an actual uh, working very busy freeway. Wow. Did you have to put your own trash down? We did. That was all. That was and all. You had to clean your own sanitized. Trash it was all. You know, we didn't want our actors, you know, picking through horrible, stinky trash. Uh, just an interesting note, though, that pair of underwear that uh, Jimmy picks up was uh, made by Jonathan Banks. We got it right from him <laughs> directly. From his trailer? Yeah. we just uh, He wasn't there. And it we was... said, just give us your, 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 your most recent pair. And he said, here you go, guys. <laughs> and he threw it out for there. The show. So that was, uh, that was the one piece of dirty trash. I picture him having that thing like uh, from the, the, with, the, with, the, with the flap that comes down in the back. Was it? Wasn't like that seemed not a union suit? <laughs> who, who flies the the um, the drone? Is it Marshall? No, uh, we had a, a separate group come in. Unfortunately, I don't have their names. Uh, that we 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 rented out a different a, a drone company. We we could ask Mike 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 Bermantrout. Do you remember? Yeah, the company is called Flight Cam F L Y T. Oh, cool. Very Thank helpful. you. Thanks, Thank you. It's really cute. I guess they didn't pay attention in English class. Am I right, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, 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 that's not how it's spelled. Well, I wanted to talk about that commercial because I wanted to sort of um, lead into the other commercial, which is very telling on Jimmy's whole demeanor. But in the middle of that, we get to see Price again, and then we get to see Nacho who breaks into Price's house to, like, get the... <laughs> that was so cool. I mean, you look such a badass. The little <laughs> capsule so, thing. So much fun. You to guys play. are good together. Yeah, we are. We, so, he's, 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 he's such a joy to play off of, uh, Mark. So, Tom, can you talk a little bit about... I mean, because you wrote and directed this episode, so can you talk a little bit about, like, your ideas about trying to get Price back? Was it, was it in your... Was it your motive to sort of get Price back? And I think it or just came naturally out of the breaking. I mean, it just happened to fall into my episode. I, I wasn't shooting to get Price back, uh, but it just, uh, when we were talking about Nacho getting the pills, 
we have a character who was perfect for that, you know, uh, you know, who has access to pills. We, you know, even though we didn't exactly spell out Price's backstory completely in the episodes that have aired, we sort of knew that he worked at a pharmaceutical company, which we do say he, he, when he's questioned by the cops, he says that. Yeah. So, um, so we had a character, a go-to character who could be very helpful for Nacho, who Nacho has dealt with, and uh, it just sort of worked out perfectly. And who Nacho knows he has the drop on. Yeah, and he can very easily. Just breathe, just breathe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one thing I liked about this scene is a lot of times in TV or movies, someone will just be in the house in a way that they couldn't possibly have done. Mm-hmm. And I like that you guys actually discussed that and made mention of it. We did. We talked a lot just, about, well, how, did, how yeah. does it get in the house with the alarm system? And it was like, well, back in the early 2000s, there, you know, your alarm system kind of went through your phone line. And yeah. if somebody cut it from the outside or unplugged it, then you were... You were screwed. It made me very <laughs> nervous. It's not the same anymore. Yeah. But also, uh, I love there's like 16 deadbolts at his front door, and then there's this lame ass sliding glass door. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It reminds me of Big Lebowski when it nails down the thing and it leans the chair against the door, and then the door opens That's the other way. <laughs> That's what I love about Price, and he admits it to Mike. He's like, I'm not. I never said I was good at any of this. He's not. He's just. He's not meant for this world, but he keeps finding himself in it. But he kept the watch. He kept the watch. I was very happy he kept the watch. Nice. That's right. Yeah. Oh, the yellow Hummer the yellow, watch. That yellow Hummer watch. That's <laughs> that's the, his only souvenir from his life of crime. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, you got to go back out to the... That was the same location, right? Way out there where... The oh, yeah, the factory location. Yeah, yeah we've uh, that, for some reason, has been in every one of my... That's their place. 109, <laughs> I think, the first time we 109, yeah. yeah. 201, and uh, I think Jenny is the only other person who's used that location. Do you secretly own that pro- property? Are you getting <laughs> I'm, making, I'm making so much money renting, off, renting that location. It gets cold at night. It was freezing it was at cold. night. Yeah. So, it was but at cold. that point, that's when, um, I mean, you, ha- you Mike has decided that, yeah, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll help Price, even though he doesn't want to. But he gets out there, and he pretty much reads the situation that Nacho's presenting. Like, he, he just knows it right away. So when you guys were breaking that, can you talk a little bit about the genesis of that whole thing? How genesis. Mike knows right away? that or yeah, how he, like, he puts the pieces together. Once Price talks to him and says that Nacho wants uh, these glyc- you know nitroglycerin pills, he starts putting together, he, he starts to understand, well, I know who I know who Nacho Varga works for. Right. Man, he has heart problems. I've, I've watched him through my si- sniper stro- scope have... Uh, Heart issues, so he knows something's going on here. I mean, it's not not a lot of pieces he has to put together, but I mean, it's uh, you know, Mike is very very smart and yeah. uh, and tells him to make the switch, which tells is, him that you know, he, which he, would be this some of the smartest um, advice as well. Uh, in his own way, even though he's had real conflict with Nacho, I think in this moment he's he's looking out for Nacho because he knows he's if he screws this up, it's going to be a lot, it's be a bad scene for Nacho. Yeah. And there's that there's that wonderful moment you have where uh, Mike goes and checks Nacho's gas cap. Uh, that was and, a late that was a late ad, I think. We 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 started because we had it play so so heavily in one and two that we thought that this is something that was still on Mike's mind. That this uh, Gus is very smart and yeah. he's following a lot of people. He knows what's going on, so there's a very good chance that he's. On not you know if he's if Nacho's going to make an attempt on Hector Salamanca, there's a very good chance that Gus might know about it. Yeah, that was a very good touch, Ed. Yeah, you know one thing about this episode that I just love is it's one it's it's so funny, but it's also uh, so touching. And there's there's uh, you, you, the the scene the scene with uh, Tamara Tooney where she's talking about her late husband. She was uh, so good. And she was she is, great. She is so wonderful, and and, and Jonathan Anita. Banks is so wonderful with her. But it's I, I just I find that that scene just so riveting to watch, and that story that she tells is so great. And on the other hand, you have this, these this this scene in the music store, which where where <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy cuts his price. Mm-hmm. Down to free, to free. down to free. How desperate he is! It feel, it's kind of sad. It's it's Super so sad. sad. It, you know, I've I've said this to people that this is that there are episodes that make me laugh and then get me teary eyed within within just a few minutes. This is one of them. This probably is in a weird way. You want to talk about moments that touch you? The mo- when he's outside and and uh, the. Uh, the drama girl offers him the money back and 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 she says you're losing money and he's he says we'll see we'll see i i find jimmy 
I, I love Jimmy. I sympathize so much with Jimmy in that moment. I, I, it's one of the for me. It's one of the great moments of any episode we've done That's because I just sweet. love Thank seeing you. him. I love seeing yeah, him he's... broken, but unbowed. You know, just mm-hmm. just he still will not give up. He will not give which up. Which makes his crack at the end so much more powerful to me that he's he is not giving up, and it just finally the the sort of straw breaks when he gets the news about you know my insurance is going to go up one hundred fifty percent. This is news I do not. I'm, he's trying so hard to work as Jimmy Magic. That's he comes in with the charm, and he's gonna he's gonna win this woman over. And she's just she's not mean. She's just uh, and again she a, a great a great actress oh, that, that was found. Uh, Jean Villapique is that how you pronounce she her? She is so she is she was, so she terrific. Right, oh, just yeah. so many good and Anita, another great find. Uh, you know, so again when you you mentioned, do I have somebody in mind? When writing this, I you know I didn't really have an Anita in mind, but when we saw her audition tape, it was like wow, there was so much emotion there that she just was like, well, this is what it should be. Mm-hmm. This, in a lot of ways, for this for me, this episode was about Jimmy getting kicked in the slats. It's about him getting knocked down, mm-hmm. trying his all his old uh, go-to moves mm-hmm. and having and they don't work. Yeah, and nothing works. The one, the me. other one that's heartbreaking. And I just have to, I'm just, I'm fanboying on this episode because I love it so much, is when he takes Kim back, oh, man. back to that restaurant where they first, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the where they first kissed yeah. at that club. Well, so many things we do are influenced by other things. And this is always, this is the Annie Hall influence mm-hmm. of the lobster. This isn't exactly the lobster scene, but it, it kind of has, echoes that of going back to the same location and trying to capture the same feeling. And it's just not. It's just not happening. Yeah. It's trying way to it take did. control of his life again, too, and mm-hmm. that nothing is working. His old tricks don't work. But yeah. the thing is, is that there's a there's a sleaze, not sleazy, but it's it's he's very desperate and needy mm-hmm. oh, at yeah. that point. It's not a confidence. It's just a it's a it's a residual feeling of he's got real big problems. I mean, mm-hmm. before, you know, he when he was there before. He was very, very confident in what his next move was, remember? Mm-hmm. And he, she was trying to convince him, you know, why do you want to quit the law? And he mm-hmm. was like, I don't need to do that. And he was very, very confident mm-hmm. in his own skin and what he was going to do. And he, you know, yes, he wanted some sort of vengeance, I guess, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it was sort of, it was fun for him to mess with Ken Wins. It wasn't like this feeling of, you know, I must, you know, succeed. I'm, you know, and, and this one well, this, is coming from a much different feeling. Well, Michael McKean is not in this episode, but Chuck hangs over the whole piece in a way that just come when, you know, Kim has her scene with Paige mm-hmm. and then she brings up Chuck again. And it's just like, you know, when he's locked on that asshole who's, who's, berating the waiter you just know he's thinking about chuck and it's yeah. just chuck is just hanging you know it's everything that's happened with chuck is just sort of hanging over the both of them yeah and when she brings him up it's just this knife that falls cut, it cuts it's like so it, it just returns I mean, even the, when she's like that with Paige, you know in that in that scene and i will say that i really love how you did the her um falling asleep in the car like that it was really great it's very simple but really 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 effective i thought good yeah, that was we just shot this. We shot her asleep, and then we just very slightly zoomed the camera in and moved it like a, a millimeter, just so that there was a little jump. Yeah. When she wakes up, so we cut nice. right on the way. You know. And a, and there's a sound hit on. too that which always helps. Yeah, big big sound. It's we did funny, a lot of those. I will say giant that sound hits in this episode. Yeah, sound hits. <laughs> sound, people don't realize that sound is incredibly effective as a sort of um, just another sort of color that you can paint with mm-hmm. yeah we kept uh, we kept asking <clears throat> nick and larry and and uh, kevin and and catherine in this episode uh push it as much you know a couple of key scenes the the, the alarm going off the truck going past mm-hmm. we kept asking push this to the legal limit what yeah what can we get away with and it? there is a legal limit yeah <laughs> there is there is a legal it's limit. funny Keep i was going louder. Yeah. i was talking to my assistant um taylor uh the other day and we were chatting about sound and i said you know um, I said, uh, one thing to get, I don't even know what they're called, honestly, but the assistants all know in the, the libraries, but those things that they use in scary movies that go, Dun! you know, I don't even know what you call them. Sting sting. Stings. Is it a sting? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or I thought there was some kind hit. of hit E-tol or something. Hits. Yeah. E-t-o-l-l. Because, um, because mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, that's 
what does it, mm-hmm. you know, for any kind of, you know, especially the the horror movies. Um, if you ever, like, go to the theater and, I mean, uh, the movie theater and watch those trailers for the, the scary movies, if you close your ears, they're not scary at all. <laughs> you know, they really aren't. Hmm. You know, you close your ears, the, the little thing that comes out suddenly, it means nothing. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> Yeah. It's like once you once the sound is in there, it's half the experience. That's, yeah, exactly. Always. What you guys I find do so well, so I mean better than uh, almost anything I think I've ever seen is you use sound so scarcely. You you don't overdo it, and sometimes you use the sound of foley's not only to fill the space and make it real, but to um, reflect somebody's emotional state. Like you'll hear like the the way the, the you'll hear the papers a little louder. Mm-hmm. You'll hear the buzzing of the of the light, and I think um, when you use sound so strategically like that, it's just so impactful. Here's the, the thing. Great oh, example is when uh, when Kim puts that big book down on the table. Yeah, when it's, it. it's, <laughs> it's, she puts that big book down on the table, and uh, and Paige kind of jumps. It's just it's it's a great moment uh, having Kim, who's so controlled, kind of losing her shit in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you 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 had I, as I recall in the mix we did we had we had them push that book <laughs> far probably far beyond where it really should be in reality. <laughs> and then also they added the sound of the glasses, the glasses on the rattling. table yeah, rattling. Great, so great it's, it's just it's it's a, and I I love what you're saying, Kelly. I you know when I used to teach, I used to say to students that you know sound is the back door to your your uh, audience's emotions because mm-hmm. people are not as aware of what's what's coming in coming in through the through that, the ears as yeah. they are it sounds the so eyes. dirty they watch a movie and the sound is subconscious yeah. what this is why i got fired <laughs> what did i miss it i was watching tom's face as he he looked yeah. for the opportunity to make the backdoor joke to like find a way you know, look to at like how red he is yeah. it was a lip. pro tip don't use do the it. term back door <laughs> around, around Tom, Tom Schnauz. Tom, we're like red as a beat. I couldn't wait to. He's excited. He's containing himself. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. That was I wanted great. to ask you a question, Thomas, and, and all you guys who, who are writers and directors. What's the major difference between writing, directing, like in this particular piece that you wrote and directed, and then an episode four that you directed but didn't write? That's I don't, a good question. Yeah, I. It was the first time you had ever directed something you didn't write in episode, episode four, four yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, it's I don't have an exact you know experience because I w- I was here for the breaking of four, so it wasn't like many of our directors who come in and don't get the script until nine days mm-hmm. before having to shoot. I was very familiar with the plot, and you know I'm, I'm here, you know, working on the characters with all the, the rest of our writers, so I know a lot about the series as a director as opposed to somebody. Who is a, you know goes from show to show, so I I don't know if I can exactly speak. Rumor has it asking. you don't do most of the work though. That is true. <laughs> uh, you just asked for a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Where's my sandwich? It was in my my uh, experience. It's kind of feels pretty much the same. I yeah. mean, it kind of felt the same to you. Yeah. Whether, whether you wrote the episode or not. I think so. Yeah. I think uh, the only thing when I was writing seven, and the other ones that I've written and directed at the same time, I tend to. As I'm writing, I'm like, oh, I'll think of shots right away, and I'll draw little storyboards where I did. On four, I didn't exa- I didn't do that. I kind of got the script and then went through and decided what shots we kind of needed. You didn't yeah. write and direct it at the same time. You wrote it first and directed. Mm-hmm. And which one did you prefer? I like what we what I did in seven, which is doing everything, you know, writing it and then going and writing it first and then directing yeah. it. Yeah, it seems like you can sort of organically work in, like you're saying, shots mm-hmm. into the script. Right. You know, even if even if it's not written in the script, your mind is already that's right. figuring it out. You know what though? I like writing the I'm just for what it's worth, I like writing the episode less when I know I'm gonna direct it hmm. because it bogs me down because as a writer I'm sitting there, I'm trying to do the directing work too, and I'm trying to write in the shots. And honestly, I mean there's no wrong way to do it, but to me, and I can't help myself, but to me, that's not the best way to do it because let the directing come later. I mean, you got to tell that mm-hmm. it's both storytelling. You're storytelling as a writer, certainly, and you're storytelling as a director. But let the directing brain put your directing hand on later. I mm-hmm. say, but having said that, I'm always trying to direct it as I'm writing it, and it makes the writing go slower. So. I would imagine, having done not the directing, but having done the writing, but even when I'm writing. 
I start to think of the plausibility of things like how would you do that? Do, how do hard guys, it's going to be to shoot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys fall into that? And then on on the other, on the converse, do you edit yourself saying, okay, that I can't really do that, or that wouldn't work? You know, it's yes and no. You know, sometimes things that may seem really difficult to us here in Burbank turn out not to be so tricky in Albuquerque, and vice versa. Sometimes some, there are certain things that look easy to the audience and you would imagine would be very simple. Like, for instance, people driving and talking. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, you would think, you would think oh, Such a pain what, could be, what could be easier? But in fact, there, sometimes you can do um, the most elaborate kind of single dolly crane shot in less time than it takes to get, the, to get a car on a trailer and get a crew on a trailer and get everyone out with walkie-talkies trying to lock up traffic. And I think what we try to do, it's actually when we break the stories, is think about how we're deploying our resources. Are we showing something uh, that's worth the trouble? Uh, is, are we showing something that's worth the trouble? Are we showing something that's fun to, that's fun to see uh, for all the trouble that it's going to cause? And, and, and I, I think, as a rule, we like to, we like to try to do things that, that you don't see every day. And, so, so, and I think those are the things that are really worth, worth going the extra mile for. I was just thinking for this episode, uh, the scene that takes place in, in the restaurant, in the bar, was originally written by the pool because we thought, how romantic would, would how would it be to go back to the romantic spot where they had their kiss mm-hmm. and play everything there? Uh, that's why we have our we have our board here, our, 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 that we we lay out the details of the of the episode. I was looking at that trying to remember. I think we we broke it that it would happen by the pool, and then just became, you know, production coming to us and saying, "Hey, dummy." Uh, we're, we're shooting. We're shooting in December, and what you know, the coldest periods of time in Albuquerque at night. Can we do this inside? And we thought, okay, well, it, and it actually worked out a lot better being in the bar. I thought so. And you can always control the light better inside too. Yes. Yeah. I, I have love one Kim question. Oh scene. God, sorry. Kim, Kim in that scene. I mean, Jimmy's all. You know, they're. I guess they're both always great. But that moment when she seems like legitimately almost scared. By yeah. what? Because he, Jimmy's pushing it because he is so desperate. Yeah, he's really. He's like upset. He's sort yeah. of going into that obsession thing. Yeah, and she's like, she's like uh, but we're not. Yeah. we're not really gonna do that, right? And like, we're not a, really gonna. And a look flashes across her face that is, it's so subtle and and so minimal, but it it is I to me read as genuine fear. Yeah, and it and it goes away immediately because he's he you know. But you know what though? There's there's that one part also in that same part, that same scene, where you see that she, he's, he's pushing it and she's like getting nervous about it. But she also has to. She's also extremely like tired and and she's you know sort of um, um, compromised as far as you know just being worn out, you know, you see how she's wearing herself out in, in the episode, but then she also is trying to take care of him. Do you see how she's sort of mm-hmm. bringing him back? Yep. And then she's like, well, what about that guy? You know what I mean? And it's, it's almost like they're sort of both doing sort of a dance of, they're both kind of spinning out, I guess, yep. the best way I can think to put I, it, it. It's such an interesting moment. It's, it played differently from the way I pictured it when, when I read Tom's script. Uh, I pictured it more... That he was trying, that he was trying to rekindle the spark with her. But actually, the way Bob plays it, the way you guys did it, he goes to he he gets in touch with this rage that he's got against Chuck, and and I, I like you, uh, Chris. I see fear from her, but it's not fear of Jimmy. She's not scared that Jimmy's going to do something to her. No, she's seeing who this guy could become. Yeah, exactly. It's a little look. It's a little look at the future. Uh, that is that is that is uh, scary to her, and frankly, in, in, as a viewer, it's scary too. Because boy, how is this couple going to last if this is where he's going? But she also kind of goes through that in her um, in her conversation with Paige. You know, you see her sort of losing con- a little control. I guess mm-hmm. that's the easiest way to put it: losing a little control, not being as you know, sort of thinking about the best way to behave the political way to behave especially with a business you know partner or you know stuff like that do, do you guys think that <clears throat> jimmy would become saul goodman had it not been for chuck do you think that it's an inevitable fate that he would turn into saul goodman or do you think that it's it's like in other words do you think that he's uh, destined to be saul goodman or is it something that 
Chuck has identified and that he he can't Nature escape. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, is it, I mean, excellent question. Yeah, is yeah. Chuck's is is it a self fulfilling prophecy? Yeah, um, I do have thoughts question. about that, but I hate to express them because I want people to come to their own conclusions about it. I mean, I think that's a really interesting question, and I think it's a mystery that will continue throughout the series. I mean. I hate. That's why I don't, I'd really okay, want to answer. Okay, I got it. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's the right question. <clears throat> it, yeah. it is, and but it's also a question. I, I mean, I, we all have ideas about it, but that's one of the things. If we really knew that the answer to that question, and we knew it in detail, in a weird way, we wouldn't need to do the rest of the series because part of the series is working is working out these questions, right, yeah. and it may become who knows. Maybe we'll have a different answer yeah. come episode. And maybe 40. there is no definitive answer. Maybe well, it's, let, it's let me try to ask you maybe another question that you can answer that I've always thought was interesting when I had directors that I haven't worked with before that didn't know you guys very well. Um, and I, how much, when a director is hired to do a show like, I'm not the show like this, when a director is hired to do this show, how much are they um, responsible to communicate their shot list to you guys before shooting it? It's a, there's a very long tone meeting involved. I was getting ready to say, yeah. they tone it real hard. And a tone meeting is so. a meeting that the director has uh, before he or she starts shooting, a day or two before the shooting begins. director has this meeting with uh, the producers and the writer, and, and it goes on. We, we've set all-time records. It's like six or seven hours, right? Yeah, it was the longest one we ever had. I think, oh. Well, I think probably we've gotten up to ten hours over two, over two days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Over two days. And tone, and tone would mean but, what exactly? But it's, well, it's 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 two. It, there are two meetings. There are concept meeting where the director meets with the whole crew and talks about some of his or her ideas that impact on the production. So if if a director has an idea like a Larissa, Larissa Kondracki in season season two, she had the idea of doing this amazing single uh, single take. That one-er. That, that one-er. That everybody that went, thinks was done by that, a drone. That, <laughs> just like, no, had, we just did it the old that. way and, on and, a Chapman crane. And she, uh, yes, that's right, right. Yeah. she pitched that, she pitched that uh, early on, might have been at the, at the concept meeting. And then the, the tone meeting is more for us to just talk through each scene. Now, in terms of shot lists, we don't get a shot list from the director. We have to, these, the directors have to be independent artists. You know, you, mm -hmm. it's a very, it, they, we want them to be as aware as possible of what we have in mind. Uh, but there's a certain point where they have, they're the ones who are responsible for, uh, you know, putting the show on film. Uh, or on, on digital in this case. And so at some point we have to relinquish control as reluctantly as, because Vince and I and Tom too, I dare to say, we're all kind of control freaks. But at a certain point, you have to let, let people do their thing. And if we try to control things too much, then they don't have any, they, they, there's no feeling of creativity. Uh, so that, that, so we will pitch, we'll pitch shots to them. They'll pitch shots to us too. And I've had directors say things to me like, you guys don't really do push-ins, do you, on this show? And I'll say, we don't probably do them as much as a lot of shows, but you know, if you find the right moment, push-in being a, a, a subtle camera mm -hmm. movement in... Like in episode into, five during into, Chuck's... In, uh, absolutely. Right, yeah. that's what absolutely. happens at the very end. That's a push-in. Yeah. And, and, we did and it in you, this episode. <laughs> if you watched, if you watched, but if you watch other TV shows and other movies, You'll see they're dirty with push-ins, and they're they have lots of other. Things. So we'll talk about the style of the show. But having said that, I feel strong. I think we all agree this show, the style has to evolve. If we set down, we there's a version where we put down a, a rule book that this is what Better Call Saul looks like. You do this kind of lens, you do this kind of shots. This is how scenes begin. This is how scenes yeah. end. And you know, yeah, that would maybe maybe that would uh, that would save us some agony in the editing room, but it would deprive us. Yeah. Of uh, of the riches discovery. of the riches yeah. and discovery of, of you know because we we yeah. get great directors on this except oh, yeah. for Tom uh, <laughs> we get great directors on this show That's bullshit. and Tom, we'd be you're great we'd be foolish we'd be foolish not to take advantage yeah. and of you that. want Absolutely a fresh true. breath that's why you have a different yeah. director every episode but well, like vary it bar from one to the other I mean. we have a different director every episode because they just couldn't do it. No, it'd be crazy. There's no I, way that the same director Honestly, could we've do had it. some directors along the way that if they could do every episode, I would have been happy. Oh, God, that yes. dog breaking oh, it's bad. Just a, it's yeah. just that it's impossible. It's impossible. impossible. Yeah. I, see. Yeah. I, I know we're, we're being told we have to wrap up, but I, I on that point, I just wanted to say the other side of that, the, import, the importance of the tone meeting, you can't stress it enough because being on the other side of that, if you're on something where they didn't tone it well enough or hard enough, 
the footage gets to the cutting room, you're cutting it together, and then you're working with the producers and they say, why don't what I is have this? this? Why don't I have why, that moment? Why, well, why well let's go there? to the reverse. There is no reverse. Yeah. What do you mean there's no reverse? What, where, where's that? Where's that? And that, that's, I think it, it's one of the reasons why a show, a Better Call Saul, a Breaking Bad, even though the styles can vary wildly, there's a unity to it because there is a common vision that is being expressed and communicated, which is the key word, communication. So I, I'm, I guess I'm speaking to writers and you know future writers, future showrunners. They like a brand it, recognition. It is, yeah, and, and it, it's it it makes it seem like mm-hmm. it's a part of the same thing. Yeah, and uh, it's so important. But what they also do in those tone meetings is like they'll say, okay, the you know, uh, for instance. When Nacho and Price are out with Mike at that um, at that one uh, spot that they have, you know, um, I'm just going off the top of my head here, but they will the the producers will actually talk to that director, well Tom in this case, but they'll they'll actually talk and say these moments are very important to us. Yeah. it's really mm-hmm. important for Mike to have the idea. And we need to see him have this idea. I'm sorry, I'm going off the top of my head. I don't know if this was actually what happened. But we need to see him have the idea of, you know what? I know what you're doing, and you you better switch these pills back. Because Mike could easily just say, you know what? This is not my problem. Mm -hmm. It's not my issue, whatever. Mm -hmm. But just like Tom said earlier, there is a moment um, there where Mike, you know, says, look... I know what you're doing. If you do this and Hector Salamanca, if there's a problem, this could be a problem for a lot of us. Yeah, right. So we need you to do that. And the thing that happens um, more often than not, uh, certainly not on this show, but in other editing rooms that I've been on, is producers will come into the editing room and they will say, why don't I have that moment? Mm. And and us in the editing room, our editors are like, huh, I don't know. Yeah. Let's go ask that writer who you send out there uh, uh, to be a producer. You, you well, know, a lot of shows, lot of shows don't do that. You know, exactly. Yeah. No, the shows will send the writers out to be producers, but they won't bring them into the editing room to see oh, what happens. Know what they need. To, yeah. to see how it manifests itself. Or they won't communicate. Which is the problem. Because it's linear. I, I get it. I mean, it's they when you write a TV show, you need that character to react a specific way. It's not necessarily open for interpretation at that particular beat because it sets up something in the future we do but you know what it's i don't want to say that they i mean hopefully a good set of producers will not lean on a director to say it must happen this way of course yeah but they say look i need to see this Mm -hmm. moment for the next episode or the third one and also we we will put it in the script too i mean that's the other thing is that we we treasure uh directors who read the script oh yeah uh Mm -hmm. and 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 hopefully you know we put a lot of things in there and hopefully hopefully they read it and it makes a difference oh these moments are in the other scripts too yeah but they just might not be in your they (laughs) just might not be in the footage well also i have to give by the way this this sounds this i'm we're sounding really tough on directors but i have to say in the heat of the battle when you're out there everything is inevitably going wrong out there (laughs) it's very hard you you never get everything that you you planned or wanted or hoped for it just never it just never happens and so uh you know as this is one of the reasons why i think it's actually good that Vince you and I and and Tom that we in the writers room we're not just we've all been on the set and we've had to do this ourselves because it makes us a little bit maybe a little bit more uh, uh, forgiving every single time I've directed we've gotten footage that we never ever use and there's always something that we need so it's just impossible to to know have that crystal ball and know what we absolutely need and oh, yeah. what there's time for. Speaking speaking of which, I just have to mention uh, Jane Long and Martin Andrews, who were in a scene that got cut. They in were this great. Episode. Yeah, you guys were great playing uh, Beth and Stuart, and 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 I, no, I apologize. No, no personally. offense, but you, yeah, just just one of those time constraint things. You know, it wasn't as bad as three or four, where a lot of actors. Got oh, cut out of the episode for time reasons. It's but so these... painful. I have a last question. Or is there time for Tom? Yes. Because you're talking about tone. Do you, you talked about how the feelings about Michael McKean's character really hang over the episode, even though he's not there. Do you tone that with the actors before you start? Not, not before we start. No, uh, it's usually done on the set. I think. I mean, I remember talking to Bob a lot in in that uh, once we got to the restaurant, the bar, uh, you know really talking to him about what was underlying that anger 
when he was looking at that guy to think of Chuck and everything that's happened. So it was a, it sort of came on the set. We discussed things because I don't want to be rigid about it because the actors come in with their ideas and I have my own ideas and very often they're right and I'm wrong or you know we're, there's a, we meet somewhere in the middle and it's uh, well Jonathan Banks is always wrong but, uh, <laughs> easy peasy <laughs> easy peasy guys um, well thank you guys very much for can I just say out. one oh, thing nope, that, it's uh, at the end oh uh, uh, we've uh, at this point I think all the title episode of the titles of the episodes have been released and this one is expenses and for you fans out there if you crack the code uh, you get, they put all the all the first letters of the episodes together. You get a classic uh, 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 character, Wes McFloss from uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> is uh, he will be in season four of Better Call Saul? If so they all crack the it, who... he will be in it. Is that it? Is that yes. what you're saying? Wes, all right, you guys heard Wes him. McFloss, if you crack Wes it, McFloss. he's in there. Wes McFloss. <laughs> season two, I think it was his first appearance in Breaking Bad. He was, a, he was a fan favorite, so you he'll know, be back in season four. Yeah. For those of you who and I know are paying attention. All of you are wondering, where was Wes McFloss before Breaking That's Bad? Right. Now you get to find People out. People have been stopping him on the street. Was it, what, when is Wes McFloss coming? He's here, guys. Amazing. Season four. <laughs> You guys, this is this is the kind of stuff you get on the podcast. This is why people listen for those kind of exclusives. This is why we need a potty award. That's right, the potty award. Yeah. The pod, the pod mouth, potty mouth, potty mouth. Um, well, thank you guys for coming out. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening. Thank yeah, definitely thanks for listening. And um, thanks, Mike Bermatrout. Yeah, you're welcome. And thanks, Chris Sullivan, for no reason. And uh, who who uh, who do you think, Kelly? Mando. Oh, Jaren. Mando, Sharon, both of them. No, let's Sharon, Sharon go. Sharon Same. go. I've, I've I've done it before. You did? Yeah, yeah. I think on the in the first season I did a podcast. Okay, okay, Sharon. Yeah. Can you take us out? We always wrap up the episode by uh, having someone do their best kind of Bob Odenkirk style, saying "Better Call Saul." I think you choose doing it could either Wes McFloss or <laughs> or Jimmy McGill. Oh, pick, pick which one you want. I do. don't know. Really, I sell think it. I'm you sell it. She has to yeah, say you, you better call it. Saul. You can right? do it. That's yeah, what you, you have to better do. Better call yeah. Saul. In, you better call Saul. Yeah! Very nice. Wes McFly. Who the fuck is this?